This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. So let's stand up, please. Let's read the Word of God in Luke, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. Already I ask you to be patient with my English, but I hope that God will talk with your heart this evening. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pleasure to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in, a, in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, one more time, we, we pray for your presence. We pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. And we pray that your name will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Christmas is coming, and we can feel, feel it around the city. Today's message is to remind us what the true Christmas is. We are seeking to prepare our hearts, my heart, your heart, for Christmas. But let's start first to answer four basic questions to understand a little bit about the book of Luke. When the gospel of Luke was written, who is the author? What is the content of the book? For whom was the book written? Scholars believe the book of Luke was written something between 63 and 70 AD. The author was a physician, a doctor. Dr. Luke walked with Paul in his missions, in his travels, missionary journeys. Many scholars believe, believe that Luke was a, really a Gentile. 
The book of Luke is an account of the life and teaching of Jesus. And the gospel was addressed first for one guy called Theophilus. Theophilus. Probably he was a friend of Luke. And Dr. Luke wanted him to know Jesus. And so the first audience for this gospel, for this letter, was for this man called Theophilus. He wants him, his friend, to know about Jesus. But at the beginning of the Bible, already in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we can see that the birth of Jesus was already prophesied there, in the beginning of the Bible. When you look for the patriarchs, the patriarchs pointed for this day. Not only the patriarchs, but the prophets described this moment, this great moment where the Messiah would come. The Old Testament, the, the truth is the Old Testament, if you really look with your attention, was a preparation for these great days. We have two kids, Elizabeth and Asaph. They arrived in, with us in Kyrgyzstan when she, she was five and he was three years old. was really a challenge for us, first time overseas. When my, my English with Andrea was, you know, the level, the book is on the table. It's only this level. And we arrive there. We have to learn Russian also. And we start our time, our ministry. After years, Elizabeth and Isaac become went to a school. And that school, every year, they have a play, you know, normal play. And Lizzie... Elizabeth, she was in charge, in charge for the backstage, backstage. And she prepared everything for the place to happen on the back. Everything, everything was prepared. Prepared every detail behind the scenes so everything would happen according to the script. At the perfect time, the setting and the time of each character's entry were precisely coordinated. This is exactly what's happened with the coming of the Messiah. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Everything was prepared. Everything was prepared for the coming of Jesus. It was the Kairos of God. The time of God. Kairos is... A Greek word that means the correct and timely moment. Kairos is the ideal period for something specific to be done. The whole stage for the coming of Messiah was prepared at the time. Through the Jews, God gave a supernatural revelation. To the Greeks, God provided universal language at the time. Through the Romans, God provided a universal law. Roads and what they call Pax Romana, Roman peace. That was a period relative the relative peace and stability across the Roman Empire. Two hundred, almost two hundred years, they were in peace. Everything was ready. Therefore, in the fullness of time, God sent the angel to talk, to speak with Mary. Verse twenty-six says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man 
named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The same angel, Gabriel, who visited Zechariah in Judea six months before, was the same angel who came to visit Mary in Galilee. The angel is the God's message to communicate the most incredible event in the history, the born of the Messiah. The angel was not sent to Rome, the center of the political power. The angel was not sent to Jerusalem, the center of the religious power. The angel was not sent to a palace to speak to the king, to the rich. The angel was sent to a young, young woman engaged to a poor man in a poor city. Mary's hometown was Nazareth. Nobody cares about Nazareth. Nobody. Nazareth with, had a population of about a few hundred people. Nazareth was so obscure that it was never mentioned in the Old Testament. Flavius Josephus, a Roman Jewish historian, did not mention Nazareth in his list of 56 cities. Talmud, the Talmud, the Jewish literature, did not put Nazareth, Nazareth inside also. Nobody knows. We need to understand also the relationship between Joseph and, and Mary. They, they were engaged, but it was not in the engagement like we have today. Engagement at the time was really as, as serious as a, as a marriage. It was a big deal. During the engagement time, the young bride continued to live in her father's house, and this engagement could only be dissolved by divorce. So it was really a big deal. So verse 28 says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Imagine you, maybe, I don't know, how old Mary was, 15, 14, 16, I don't know. Imagine a celestial being come to you and say, God favor you, you'll be the mother of the Messiah. Imagine. Talk about Mary, it's really difficult, very difficult. Because as generally we find two extremes of people. For one side, we see people that place her above what the scripture says, calling her mother of God, immaculate, uh, intercessor, co-redeemer, and even the queen of the heaven. But on another hand, we have many people also that do not give the necessary recognition that is in the God's words for her, Mary. We need to understand. She was amazing Person. The greet that the angels Gabriel gave to Mary on verse 28 revealed two things very important. First thing is that Mary is highly favored and the Lord is with her. God looked from the heaven, looked from the heaven and found in this young girl the right person to fulfill the prophecy to be the mother of the Savior. This is a big deal. Although young, 
Although young, 14, 15, 16 years old, Mary knew God. Although humble, Mary has chosen, was chosen to carry in her womb the son of the Most High, the Messiah. Verse 29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. If I was me, maybe I'd run. We can notice here in this verse a, a, difference, a difference in attitude between Mary and Zechariah. Zechariah could not speak because he didn't believe in the message. But here in verse 29, we see that Mary, Mary showed fear, but not unbelief. She was afraid. She was scared. She was insecure as a 16, 14, 15 years old young girl. But what Mary wanted here was to understand the divine purpose. After Mary's, Mary's open confession of insecurity and fear... What you can see here is this Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, brought a word of encouragement to her. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. God is with you. Don't be afraid. I know you are young. You are afraid. But God is with you. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. Gabriel explained to Mary that she doesn't have to be afraid because she found grace before God. Grace is a favor that you do not deserve. For sure, Mary feared God, but she was not chosen because she was sinless. Was not chosen because she doesn't have sin. She was chosen by God's grace and because she was at the right time in the right place. The Kairos of God was the right time. Gabriel says here, she will conceive even as a virgin. She will give a birth to a son and she will name him Jesus. So from now on, from verse 31, the angel Gabriel reveals to Mary Whose this child will be? I think this time I will be much more scared because the responsibility, responsibility that is put on her shoulders. He starts in verse 31. This child, this child will be the Savior. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. What do you mean by that? The parallel text of this passage, we find in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Greek form for the word Joshua. That means God, Lord, the Lord saves. The salvation belongs to the Lord. I don't know how, how is your life now. Maybe you are visiting here for the first time. I don't know. And you never confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I don't know your life, but God knows. Maybe you have heard many times 
But I will repeat here, the race Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. There is no another way. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation belongs only to the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing that the angels revealed to Mary is first we saw this child will be the Savior. The second, the child will be the great man on the earth. Wow. Verse 32 says, he will be great. In Luke 1, chapter, verse 13, we see that the same angel telling that John Baptist, John the Baptist, would be a great before the Lord. We see that in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. But Jesus is greater than John because he is God himself made in flesh. And John, we can see this here in John chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, when it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, say, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he has, he was before me. In John chapter 1 verse 27, we see John Baptist himself declare, he is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Imagine you as a Mary receiving this news. Your son will be the savior of the world. Your son will be the most grateful man in the world. But it's not only this. Third thing that the angel reveals here to Mary is, this child will be the son of the most high. Wow. The son of the most high. He will be great and you'll be called the son of the most high. He was, Jesus was generating Mary's womb, not by human conception, but by a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was equal to God. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He is eternal and exists before the universe. In John chapter 8, verse 58, in response to a heated debate of his identity, Jesus declared, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus already existed even forever with God before Mary was born. This is the Messiah. Fourth thing that you see in this text is in verse 33. This child will be will have an eternal kingdom. And we, he will reign over Jacob's descendant forever. His kingdom will never end. Besides being the son of the most high, Jesus is the king whose reign will never end. Jesus' kingdom is not earthly or political, but spiritual. And Romans chapter 14, 17 says... 
points out that the kingdom, this kingdom is a kingdom of justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All the kingdoms of the world will fall, will fall. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ will never end. And the last thing here that the angel says to Mary is, this child will be holy. Verse 35 says, the angels answer, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Jesus is the only man, the only human who entered in the world without inheriting original sin. The only one. Everybody, anyone, had and have the original sin. But only Jesus not. He is the seed of the woman, but not the seed of man. Jesus is perfectly holy. He was not, he has not inherited the sin of the human race, not did he commit any sin. I heard many times when people say, Do you know, kids, young kids, they, they are angels. They are saints. Maybe you have one like this. <laughs> but just to try to illustrate how the disobedience is in the heart of anyone. My son, our son, okay, our son, before you, our son, when he, until six years old, he was a piece of work. When we arrive in Kyrgyzstan, I travel with a leash. <laughs> you laugh because it was not your son. <laughs> and people at the time, today, I think even I saw already this happen. But 17 years ago, people... But the problem is, if I move my eye from him, he disappeared. And imagine, we didn't have language. We are traveling for the first time from Brazil to, to, to Russia, to Kyrgyzstan. And he disappeared. And so I have to hold him very close. And when he was like four years old, three years old, he was looking for a socket in the, the electrical, the power, and he looked me, and just three years old, an angel. And, and he looked, looked at me and did this. <laughs> and I said, no, it's bad for you. No, no. And he, <laughs> with this angel face. And I said, don't do that. Until he did. And I just heard the yell and cry, nevermore. <laughs> but what I'm saying that is, doesn't matter how old are you, everyone brings the baggage of the original sin. Our tendency is to do exactly what is far from God. We don't need to teach bad things for our kids. They will learn. From themselves. We need to learn. We need to teach what is good. 
It's a fight. This is what Paul says, and I probably my I will forget. I know in Portuguese here when Paul says, "I'm fight, I'm spunk, my own body," because we have this fight every day. Every time when we wake up, you have this fight between the flesh and between your spiritual being that was renewed by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was perfect, holy. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Jesus did not know sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the rightness of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, He committed no sin and no deceived, deceit was found in his mouth. So here in verse 35, we see that the, the Jesus was generated by the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit descended upon Mary and by the power of Mothai covered her and generated him. Jesus' body was prepared by the Holy Spirit. Look what Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepare for me. A body you prepare for me. It's all, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I remember when I was pastor in Kyrgyzstan, I received a call and said, hey, I have two families that they, they just crossed the mountains of Afghanistan, two refugees family. They are here. They are, they are not believers, but they, they got the address for the church. And they, they, they asked for help. Somebody in that place gave the church address and they are asked for help so i said okay i don't speak i speak russian speak english but no farsi no dari i think so it said no one of them speak enough he said okay we can have a coffee so i went for that place with these two men and we started talking and as a pastor, I said to them, do you know, I, I need to talk with the, the leadership of the church to see what can we do to help you guys. But first of all, I want to say that I don't want you to become a believer just to receive the money from the church. You can't, they were Sunni, no, Shita, Shita. So, and, but you can, you can, Stay as a Muslim, we help you because you're a human being. I just need to understand, okay? So it's, they appreciate so much, and, and they said, but, and I said, but if you want, we can every other week, we can have a coffee, and we can have a meal together, and you can bring, the, and you can bring any question you talk about faith, and we'll talk. And they love it because, you know, every other week they have a meal. I pay the meal. <laughs> so they, oh, yes, it can be every week. No, every other week. And we start from Abraham from the beginning. And one year later, one year later, I arrived in 
the meeting between Nicodemus and Jesus. And I was in a cafe, speak very low tone, you know, and try to talk to them. And when I finished, they said, both said to me, Marcus, this is what we need. We want born again. At the moment, I was the no believer at the time. Because I said, no, you don't understand. I need to explain everything. But they said, no, we, we understand. This is, this is what I need. I need Christ. I spent a whole year to help them to understand who was and who is the most important person in the whole world, Jesus Christ. And when they understood who was Jesus, their lives lives were changed. It's all about Jesus. Now we arrive in verse 36 and 37, when it says, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. The angel Gabriel, once again, brings Bring a word of encouragement to Mary. Show it that God was already operating. God was already doing miracles in her family. And she doesn't know. She didn't know. The angel said, you know, your, your relative, Isabel, she is old. She was sterile. But she's already pregnant for six months. God is in this thing. Trust on him, Mary. If God could give a son to Zechariah and Isabel, he could also fulfill the promise to you. Trust on him. The prophets in Isaiah 7 verse 14 that the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son was fulfilling in Mary. And this meeting, this meeting with the angel ends in verse 38. Revealing Mary's immediate submission. So this is the Mary's answer. I am. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered. May your word to be to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary here does not argue with the angel or doubt the message. A, a seminar professor a long time ago, maybe 25 years ago, told me one thing. He said, Marcus, uh, I translate for English, so I hope it makes sense. Uh, a partial, partial obedience is equal to a total disobedience. A partial, partial obedience, obedience is equal to a total disobedience. But Mary was 100% obedient. She was scared. She was scared. And maybe you are here today. God has talked to you, has given you a, a ministry, a, a plan, a challenge, and you are afraid. And the word for you today is trust in God. If this came from God, God will provide everything. God will help you on the process. So how can we apply this text in our lives today. First, of course, who is Jesus for you? 
Who is Jesus for you? Where is he? I saw one month ago a short video on the internet of a movie where a, a, a man was in a hospital. Maybe you know this movie, maybe you watched before. I just was like very short. This is what I understood. And this man was at the hospital. And a friend came to visit him. And he made these questions. If I ask you who you are, what first thing comes to your mind? And his friend said, I am a basketball coach. So this guy in the hospital said, if the basketball is stripped away from you, who are you? And he said, no, I'm, a, I'm a also a, a school teacher. And he continued. The guy on the bladder, he replies, if we take this away, who are you? And he said, no, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Okay, one more time. If we change two, and you lose this two, what, who are you? So the guy started to be a little bit impatient and said, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. So the man on the bed asked, how important is that for you? He answered, oh, this is very important. And he said, it's interesting. Because this is the last thing on your list. And he tried to defend and say, no, no, I could start a different way. But the truth here is our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is not what we have. But our identity is in what we believe in Jesus Christ. What, where you are in Jesus Christ. Everything is about Jesus. And when we open our eyes, we understand, when we understand that, our lives will be different. The second and the last application here is, is Christmas. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's proclaim the true Christmas. The true Christmas. For centuries, humanity has celebrated Christmas. Each year... New forms, styles, and ornaments are created to make Christmas more and more attractive. I have some place that I know that some neighbors try to compete what will be the best decoration for one house for another house. The bigger tree, more lights. But despite all these attempts, Christmas is losing its true joy and meaning for many families. They, they lost the way. Christmas is just give present. Christmas for many families is, is like a temporary joy, like a carnival in Brazil. It's just a holiday, fun time to be with family. No bad, no problem about that. The heart of the Christmas is not there anymore. People have become the center of the Christmas and not Jesus Christ. It's all about people. It's all about business. But not about Jesus Christ. As, a, as believers in Christ, I, I, I invite you. And this I talk to myself. I talk to myself. To prepare our hearts to every year to celebrate the true Christmas. 
We cannot be lost in the group, in the, in the multitude of people. They do, yeah, because they do, I will do the same. No, we have this responsibility to proclaim what is the true Christmas. Keep in your heart and mind that we celebrate Christmas because Christmas is God coming to give us forgiveness, peace, freedom, and eternal life. This is the reason. And we cannot forget this. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus is the Messiah, the Lamb of God. When God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, Genesis chapter 22, it's a very interesting because when Abraham and Isaac was there, I almost say Abraham and Isaac. <laughs> no, Abraham and Isaac was there. Isaac asked him, here are the fire, here are the wood. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb, dad? Children has, have the ability to attest the obvious. He look around and see, okay, dad, this, we have the fire, fire, we have fire, we have wood. But the main thing needed for the sacrifice to God was missing. Where's the lamp? Where's the lamp? The Isaac questions to his father Abraham represent the human spiritual crisis and the need for redemption. Where's the lamp? And we have the answer. We have the answer. In the Old Testament, a sacrifice means that something had to die to preserve life. Those who deserve death would survive because an innocent would die in their place. At Christmas, we celebrate the Lamb of God, the expression of God's love, who sent His Son for, his, for the salvation of everyone who believes. Let's, in that Christmas, today, in Christmas, let's give thanks and worship God. Because Isaac's question has been answered. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, He is the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you because he is our Lord and Savior. Help us to every, every Christmas to remember ourselves. The reason of everything, that is Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org. Thanks for listening.